It's true, actually. The yellow hibiscus plant is at least five feet tall and takes up a good chunk of our family room. There it is. It's really lovely, I think. Now that winter's in sight, you know, I've been trying to just nurse it along, but my husband competes with it for sun and the very same windows. And he subtly hinted to me this week, so when are you going to cut that down? Move it out of here. It's done flowering already. To which I protested, no, no, it's not, can't you see? If you just are a little patient and wait a while, those little bitty buds on the branches will bloom again. And they're absolutely beautiful when they bloom. Just wait. He rolled his eyes. It sounded a bit like a scene from today's gospel where John the Baptist is desperately looking for buds of promise in the ragtag crowds that came to him to be baptized. An unimpressive group, I think, Luke has it, an unimpressive group of scammers, misfits, and losers, some might say, mostly Jews not of high standing in their society. Plus, John brazenly labeled them snakes. Quite an evangelism program. Snakes. No, they weren't model citizens, just dishonest tax collectors who bilked their customers, heartless Roman soldiers in collusion with the government to exploit their own people for personal power. And yet there was a hungry curiosity among these people out in the desert, curiosity in their souls. Could this crazy John the Baptist character be some kind of Messiah we've been waiting for? Will he redeem us from this ugly lot we've gotten ourselves into? They had an aching hope for a better future than the shadowy back alley choices they were pursuing. But John pulls no punches. He answers their questions. And I use the Message Bible translation here. It's a little more street language. He says, do you think a little water on your snakeskins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes into the fire. The crowd asked him, well, what are we supposed to do? He said, if you have two coats, give one away. He said, do the same with your food. Tax men came to be baptized, and they said, teacher, what should we do? He said, no more extortion. Collect only what's required by law. And soldiers, no more shakedowns and blackmail, and be content with your rations. You can't blame them, actually, for wanting to be saved from their situation, and quickly. But how? How? John doesn't send these seekers to a philosophical seminar on interpreting biblical prophecy or to a monastic retreat on spiritual renewal. He's kind of a practical guy. He outlines simple, everyday behaviors that will ready their hearts and minds for a new kind of living, a green kind of life. Things like respecting each other, not belittling those who are different than we are. Things like if you do have one coat, 
or one pair of shoes, it's enough. That's kind of, that kind of hit home when I was reading all about this. You know, I have been looking in my closet thinking for many, 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 many months, I need to really sort these out. There are some that go back till I bought, were too tight when I bought them, never worn them. There are some that have been with me till they have no soles left on them. But nonetheless, I have them all. So it may be a woman's problem to have just more than one pair of shoes. But it's saying here the challenge is, how many more do you really need? I thought of this last night as I was down at Chosen 300 uh, feeding uh, the homeless with our group from church. I was done with the little worship service that we do and I went out to talk to the, to the men and women in the crowd and one gentleman caught my heart. He was talking to me and I talked to him about three different occasions in the same uh, 45 minutes. Uh, but he said, you know, he'd been on the street and he'd been panhandling down in Philadelphia. He had a record. He'd been incarcerated in, uh, I think, Indiana and he'd been out of prison for some time but he couldn't get a job. He was 60 years old and he had a record as a felon and so he doubted he'd ever get a job. And he said, people just look you in the eye and they look the other way. He says, I don't get mad. I don't blame them. But he said, I need some shoes. All I have is this one pair of shoes. I thought, whoa, that's a little close to the gospel message today. Except he said, I have size 15 shoe. And I said, 15? I don't think I've seen anyone. So, of course, I had to look down. Yes, they were quite sizable. And so he said, I've seen a pair over, you know, in a store by the train station. Uh, But he said, they're like 60 bucks. He says, I don't have any, any money. So... He didn't ask me for any money. He just gave me the facts, and then he he said thank you and walked away. And all I could think of was, well, I think I might have that in my pocket right now. So whether it was wise counsel or not, I hunted him down, and I gave him the the money for his shoes. And uh, he was blown away, which it, it felt it's the best thing about my day yesterday. So John is on to something here. It's when we, when we give back to others, when we have so much um, that we feel like there's something in us that God has planted that makes this part of us just thrive and overflow with joy when we follow kind of that rule of, of giving back. Share your second coat with someone who has none. I won't even go into our coat closet at home. Be honest in your business and government dealings, not making a profit at the expense of, an envi- of the environment, for instance or the competitor's reputation. Honest business, not making the expense at the loss of someone else. That's not easy to do. If you run for office, here's something to think about. Do so with honor and truth, truth-telling and respect, and love your opponent. Simple daily decisions, faithfully chosen, can transform your heart and all those with whom you relate. John calls those who want to be baptized and made new in the Messiah's coming to be patient and get ready by doing these small things that are manageable but at times can be huge things, forgiving opponents and such. But what he calls us to do is to get busy from the inside out. Inside out. Learning to wait has great power to transform our hearts. And it is a lesson of the Advent season. 
we've heard it before, slow down, examine our lives and priorities, and bring them into harmony with the one who is coming, the one who comes to save us from this cultural onslaught of demands. Jesus comes to turn the world economy upside down. The poor will be lifted up, and the rich will be sent away empty. What a surprise. Cutthroat dictators will not be in charge forever. There's a spiritual online um, a director and author named Adele Calhoun, who I found she exa- elaborates on the richness of simply waiting and spiritual practices as Advent homework. She says, people who know God learn to wait in the present moment. Because this is the only place God is found. The past, with its regrets, it's irretrievably gone. The future, with its what-ifs, is out of control. Waiting is the crucible where we develop a mellow and forgiving heart. Waiting with God is where we learn how to be happy when we don't get our own way. It's where we learn to forgive people for being less than perfect selves and to forgive God for not being like a magician in our lives or a wizard. Waiting teaches us to let go of our expectations finally so that we can receive what is given. And Ms. Calhoun says, what, when has a time in your life of waiting produced something of God in you? When has a time in your life of waiting produced something of God in you that wouldn't have been there if you rushed right in and did what first came to your mind? Was there repentance, humility, forgiveness, generosity, a new hope? The spiritual exercise reminds me of what they call a time out. Time out. Time for quiet reflection on the, in the timeout bench or on the step, step upstairs. Oh, they grit and they moan, but after a while they settle down. Three to five minutes is like a lifetime for a toddler. Well, of course, eventually they're meant to apologize to mom or dad and say they saw the error of their ways and, um, and say that they will, uh, they'll try to do better. It's kind of what God has in the mind, I think, for Advent, And also for Lent, the season that precedes Easter. Our Christian tradition precedes both high holidays with a time in the wilderness or a time in Advent where we are to meditate and get ready for the big coming event in our lives of our Lord. And so a time out. Whether we are sinful or saintly, God's grace will be ours. We don't have to earn it. I'm not saying that. But there's precious little time out in our days now for quiet meditation, for soul-searching with God in Americana holidays. Imposing on us is the cyberspace constant buying, the discounts, all the things at nauseam that we are supposed to buy and don't need at all. So what should we do, asks the crowds in John's presence. What should we do as we wait for the Messiah to come? One commentator I read simplified John's answer to these also playground rules. Share, be fair, don't bully. Share, be fair, don't bully. 
go a long way in our adult culture. Be mindful of your neighbor's needs, and your life will blossom and bring forth buds of promise that will grow and open up for the whole world's fragrance to to be enjoyed. In the name of our Messiah, like the beautiful flower that grows on my plant when they do finally burst into their hibiscus glory, Advent is that time to bloom with justice and faith where others have given us no hope. There's a two-man band called Lost and Found that's Lutheran. They're retiring this year, and they've been touring the country and the globe, but they have a great song, and the lyrics I liked, especially for today. The song is called The Fruit We Bear, and I borrow a few of their lines in closing. Let us agree that we will be signs of the life to come, and may we believe and freely receive all that God has done. May the fruit that we bear be Christ. And as we live, may we forgive gratefully each day and for peace, for love to increase, Holy Spirit, we pray. May the fruit we bear be Christ. Amen.